0: Talk Recorded live. Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christianity of Europe. Today is Sunday, September 14th, 2014. We began this program on August thirty first. This is our second installment. That this is an outreach program to white people in Europe. That that's its original plan and and um uh, We haven't promoted the program very effectively yet, but we hope that that it gets gained some steam, and and we actually do have and and can use this program as a platform for interaction with pagans, identity Christians, and and any racially conscious whites or or inquiring whites from Europe especially, and from America also and, and, and the other places where our European race is settled. Once again, I have Sven chance here with me, and and today we're going to talk about Christianity and morality and the decay of European society because of a lack of Christianity and morality. Hello, Sven. Greetings.
1: Hi, Bill. Uh, yeah, good to see you again. Uh, hopefully, tonight's program will sound better than the last, and people will be able to hear what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. You're right for the Daily Stormer and you also have some of your own websites. You want to talk about them a minute?
1: Um, yeah, I've got uh, the, the one which I put most of my stuff on is Fashoverin uh, Veltonchung which is vashovrn.blogspot.co.uk and that's just got most of my writing on it. And then I've got arianisrael at wordpress.com um, And that's got four or five essays that I wrote where I was trying to simplify the Israel identity message so that to condense it down so that people who had heard about it could look somewhere and quickly find what evidence there was for this because I wanted to just to reach out to people and say, look, this this is the truth. There's lots of evidence for it. but you don't need to go looking through lots of books to find it. You can find it all here on, on just these four simplified essays. That's why it doesn't go into that much detail. And that's why that website doesn't get um, much new content put on there. because I don't want to clutter it up with, with lots of different essays. I want to keep it simple so that people can sort of understand the message. And I've also put on there uh, a page advertising this, this program and I'll put the recording from, from this program on there as well. So hopefully people can find out about us on there as well. And then obviously there's, on the David Stormer, there's, most of the stuff I do on there is, is commentary and analysis, but there are also articles that I've written. But it's hard to get the time to write full-length articles when you're doing sort of nine or ten news pieces to put on there every day. It's a question of what's going to be the most effective and what's going to reach the most people. At the moment, what seems to be the most effective is analysing news pieces and what's going on in the world around us and and decoding what it is that the the media is is telling us. So so we're trying to find the, the truth in amongst all the lies, I guess you could call it.
0: But Well, that's absolutely, that, that's absolutely true. It's harder to write articles when, when you're concentrating on producing other content. I, I'm up against the same thing myself. I have two podcasts a week. I, I publish um, or prepare 20 to 24 pages a week for my two podcasts. So I, I have a lot of articles on the burner. Some of them have faked and, and some of them are just sketchy outlines. But they do get done in between. In, in, in between the times that they get done, I guess, when they're supposed to. But, but yeah, it's we're always looking for ways to um, present material that, that says the same thing over and over again, that the race issue, that the um, Christian morality issue and, and a few other issues, and, and the Jew issue, of course, the Jewish problem, of course, that the... Um, but we don't know what's going to reach who and and how many brethren and brothers and sisters we're going to reach with any particular message, so we we figure every way we can to to do that very thing to serve that purpose it, It's difficult today. I want to um talk mostly about this Rotherham debacle and 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 what happened there, and, and some of the repercussions and reactions to it, and, and, and the underlying problems that, that Rotherham reflects. And, and Rotherham's not the real problem, the problem is a lot deeper than that. I would like to start by reading a um, so that we have a good overview. And I think this is a good overview of what happened, believe it or not, even though it's, it's, um, it, it has a lot of biases. It's from the Rotherham Metropolitan Borough Council itself. This is a report entitled Independent Inquiry into Sexual Exploitation in Rotherham. It was put together by a woman named Alexis J. She's uh, evidently some sort of professional in, in, in this field or, or some sort of government employee. I'm not certain. She, she has initials after her, after her name on the front of the report. I don't know really what they mean. It's OBE. I don't think she's an obstetrician. I would like to read the executive summary that she um, wrote for this report. It's a long report. It's 159 pages. It's a PDF file. I will make links to it available at Christagenia when we post this program. And she, this report is in a way, it's this executive summary in a way is very candid, even though it's very, um, one website described it as mealy now concerning the real issues. And she says, no one knows the true scale of child sexual exploitation in Rotherham over the years. Our conservative estimate is that approximately 1,400 children were sexually exploited, and that's a conservative estimate over the full inquiry period from 1997 to 2013, 16 years. In just over a third of cases, children affected by sexual exploitation were previously known to services, to social services, because of child protection and neglect. It is hard to describe the appalling nature of abuse that child victims suffered. it, it seems to me what she's saying is that as soon as children get into this social services system, that a lot of them became targets for exploitation by from, from these other sources, which in this case are, are um Islamic Pakistani men.
1: Yeah, that, that's
0: that's and, and right. that 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 um reveals that there has to be people working inside the social services systems to help these Islamic Pakistani men exploit white children. And there's no doubt that that's what's going on, whether they want to admit it or not. It had to be. It had to be the case. And to what extent that's going to be investigated and the results published is another story. He goes on to say, it is hard to describe the appalling nature of the the abuse that child victims suffered. They were raped by multiple perpetrators, trafficked to other towns and cities in the north of England, abducted, beaten, and intimidated. There were examples of children who had been doused in petroleum, petrol, gasoline in, in the States, and threatened with being set alight, threatened with guns, made to witness brutally violent rapes, and threatened that they would be next if they told anyone. Girls as young as 11 were raped by large numbers of male perpetrators. This abuse is not confined to the past, but continues to this day. In May 2014, the caseload of the specialist child exploitation team was 51. And I'm sure none of the um, perpetrators in that are probably these Muslims. More CSE cases were held by other children's social care teams. There were 16 looked after children who were identified by children's social care as being at serious risk of sexual exploitation or having been sexually exploited. In 2013, the police received 157 reports, and that's probably a a small fraction of what's actually going on, concerning child sexual exploitation in the borough. Over the first 12 years covered by this inquiry, the collective failures of political and officer leadership were blatant. From the beginning, there was growing evidence that child sexual exploitation was a serious problem in Rotherham. This came from those working in residential care and from youth workers who knew the young people, the victims, who knew the young people well. Within social care, the scale and seriousness of the problem was underplayed by senior managers at an operational level. So, so this is a systemic problem in, in, in just not doing anything about this. At an operational level, the police gave no priority to child sexual exploitation regarding many child victims with contempt and failing to act on their abuse as a crime. Further stark evidence came in 2002, three and six with three reports known to the police and the council, which could not have been clearer in their description of the situation in Rotherham. The first of these reports was effectively suppressed because some senior officers disbelieved the data it contained. In other words, they had no care for the, um, the data collection and, and report compilation of their own subordinates. This had led to suggestions of cover-up, and, and that's, well, no shit. The other two reports set out the links between child sexual exploitation and drugs, guns, and criminality in the borough. And, and if that report, if the other two reports set out links between child sexual exploitation and drug gun, and, and drug and gun running in the borough, well, you know, it's all Pakistani Muslims who are being accused of doing this child sexual exploitation, so, so we have to also imagine that these same men are running gun, guns and drugs in our communities, right? These reports were ignored, and no action was taken to deal with the issues that were identified in them. In the early 2000s, a small group of professionals from key agencies and met and monitored large numbers of children known to be involved in child sexual exploitation, known to be like like they were actively involved in it, right? It should have said known to be victims of child sexual exploitation. The, the, The wording of this report is horrible. Or at risk, but their managers gave little help or support to their efforts. Some at a senior level in the police and children's social care continued to think the extent of the problem as described by youth workers was exaggerated, and and that's absolutely ridiculous, because if one child, if one white child is sexually abused, then the community should want to do something and find the culprit. It's incredible that they would think that this was just exaggerated and seemed intent on reducing the official numbers of children categorized as sexually exploited children. At an operational level, staff appeared to be overwhelmed by the numbers involved, there were improvements in the response of management from about 2007 onwards, which allows, um, but which allows 10 years of absolute <laughs> neglect. By 2009, the Children's Social Care Service was acutely understaffed and overstretched, struggling to cope with demand. Seminars for elected members and senior, official, senior officers in 2004 and 5 presented the abuse in the most explicit terms. After these events, nobody could say we didn't know. In 2005, the present council leader chaired a group to take forward the issues, but there is no record of its meetings or conclusions apart from one minute. By far, the majority of perpetrators were described as Asian by victims. Now, now this is a very biased um, a very biased line in itself, and that there are responses to this in in alternative media that we'll discuss later that that'll cite this very same line actually um, none of the perpetrators that were mentioned by these victims were white, and they were all islamists, they were all Muslims. Asian in England for American listeners, Asian in England is a term it is a politically correct term for Pakistanis and Indians and, and people of related, re- related origins. By far, the majority of perpetrators were described as Asian by victims, yet throughout the entire period, counselors did not engage directly with the Pakistani heritage community to discuss how they could best jointly address the issue. Now, now this is an, another systemic problem in that the... um. Western bureaucrats can't even realize that Pakistanis don't want to address the issue because it's not a problem to Pakistanis. Some counselors seem to think it was a one-off problem, which they hoped would go away. Several staff described their nervousness about identifying the ethnic origins of perpetrators for fear of being thought of as racist. Other members cleared, remembered clear direction from their managers not to do so they were told not to identify the ethnic ethnicity of the perpetrators 2009 the minister of state for children and families put the council's children safeguarding services into intervention following an extremely critical ofsted report the council was removed from intervention 13 months later the rotherham safeguarding children board that's a joke and its predecessor oversaw the development of good interagency policies and procedures applicable to child sexual exploitation. The weakness in her approach was that members of the Safeguarding Board rarely checked whether these were being implemented or whether they were working. The challenge and scrutiny function of the Safeguarding Board and of the council itself was lacking over several years at a time when it was most required. If you have to um, implement these, these drastic bureaucratic measures in the first place, That's a clear indication that there are other problems which you are not addressing, such as the origin of the problems. In 2013, the council leader, who has held office since 2003, apologized for the quality of the council safeguarding services being less than it should have been before 2009. This apology should have been made years earlier, and the issue given the political leadership it needed, There have been many improvements in the last four years by both the council and the police. The police are now well-resourced for child sexual exploitation and well-trained, though prosecutions remain low in number. There is a central team of children's social care which works jointly with the police and deals with child sexual exploitation. This This works well, but the team struggles to keep pace with the demands of its workload. The council is facing particular challenges in dealing with increased financial pressures, which inevitably impact on frontline services. The Safeguarding Board has improved its response to child sexual exploitation, and holds agencies to account with better systems for the file aud- audits and per- performance reporting. There are still matters for children's social care to address, such as good risk assessment, which is absent from too many cases, and there is not enough long-term support for the child victims. So, so they're treating the management of child sexual exploitation, that they're treating it as if it was equivalent to running a children's softball league or something. And they're complaining about resources, but when you have a community full of wolves running around, and every time a wolf bites a child, you, you, you treat the child and do nothing to the wolf, well, well, of course you're going to run out of resources because you're allowing the wolves to continue biting children. It's incredible the way this is being handled at a bureaucratic level. It's absolutely disgusting. And even when they they recognize and address the problems, they really don't do anything about it. This report doesn't really do anything about the problem.
1: doesn't. has just um, sort of brought it to the attention of people. But they they haven't uh, apologised to all the people that were trying to bring it to their attention before and go public with it. I mean, the people that have been arrested for trying to uh, raise the alarm over this issue and that have been been saying what was going on. It was a court case against Nick Griffin, who was was talking about this years back. They say for how long that it's been going on for. And you think it wasn't just in in Robertson, it was going on in Rochester and Oxford, and they said that it's going on wherever there is a Pakistani community, well, What what's going that? on? And what the first thing they should have been doing is, is going to the parents and warning them if it, that if they see Pakistanis hanging around their uh, daughters or their children, that this, this could be going on. That, that's the first thing that, that should have been done. They should have warned every parent in that area to watch out for if, if their children were hanging around with these, Pakistanis, because the way that they, they worked, they would, they would talk to these young girls, they would buy them presents, they would chat them up in the takeaways, they would give them free chips, and then they would give them free alcohol. And a lot of these girls, as it's said, were coming from care homes or they were it, from areas where they were being neglected or they were vulnerable anyway. So these Pakistanis paying attention to them they thought that they were, you know, this 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 guy's in love with me, and and, and they these people the Pakistanis would make them feel good, and they could brag to their friends that they had a boyfriend with a car or whatever, and then this is this is this is what's called the grooming side of it, where they're preparing these girls to then go and be gang raped and passed around in traffic. So of course, when they start then being raped in traffic, and they then they can't say anything because they've been that they're having this relationship with this guy all this time. And then they went to the people in the the care homes and said, this is what's happening. The people in the care homes said, oh, but that's just part of being in a relationship with someone. So, you know, some of these girls were told, and the police actually said this to them, that that's just a part of normal life. That's just a part of growing up. It's just a part of being in a relationship. And I mean, some of these girls, there was was one case where um, the police said, that, uh, I think it was 10 or 15 years ago they, were, they interviewed these these girls, these girls, and I think six or seven of them all named the same Pakistani as a boyfriend at the time. They were all 13 or 14. And this Pakistani was a known sex offender. I think he was 19 or 20 at the time. And I think he's only just been arrested now, years later. So they, they, the whole thing is just, you know, it really couldn't get any worse. And you think these these girls are in care anyway. They, or A lot of them were, they were in care because they've been abused, they've, they've been in bad situations and then they've stolen from their families by the state and then the state just allows them to then be abused by these Pakistanis and where they've been moved away from their families or, or told they can't have any contact with their parents, who have they got that they can tell that, about what's going on? And then when they tell the, the staff at the care home some of the staff raised the issue but the staff staff were told never to mention it again and and, and there are even instances where these girls were caught with one of these pakistani uh, rapists the police found these girls in the company of a known sex offender and they arrested the girls they arrested the victims and again there was another instance where um the father of one of these uh, his children went there to try and get his child back. And the Pakistani rapist phoned the police up, and the police came around and arrested the father for trying to rescue his child from the, from the Pakistani rapists.
0: Well, well, right, it's absolutely incredible. I'd like to read the, um, uh, the, the police response, <clears throat> the, the police response that the, the Jews... In, 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 in control of Britain, and and, and that's just the, the truth, the Jews in control of the British political parties, the main British co- political parties, and, and all those who consort with them, their, their goal is to destroy the racial fabric of Europe, and, and, and especially England, and they've developed policies that actually assist in that destruction while sounding good on their surface. And, and a perfect example is what, what somebody, what, what Taya just put into the chat on TalkShoe. She said that a mother who, who found 125 names of alleged sexual abuses on her own daughter's mobile phone claims that police told her that an investigation would breach the girl's human rights. And, and that's, uh, oh, yeah, sounds good. Protect the girl and, and, and let the 125 abusers off the hook. They're not protecting the girl at all. That They're making it sound like that. It, it sounds bureaucratically feasible. It, it, the, the police have to be trained to give the responses which you had just informed us that they were giving to, to these victims. The police have to be trained to do that. So the police are actually being trained to cover for the crimes of, of the aliens. And that they're, they're really assisting the aliens in, in their continued crimes, it's incredible. And, and that's all purposeful, every bit of it's purposeful. I, I'd like to read the um, reaction from Jihad Watch to the, um, the, the problem in Rotherham. And, and um, they, their headline is that 1,400 non-Muslim children in the UK were exploited by Muslim rape gangs, and authorities did nothing for fear of being thought of as racist, and, and their reaction to that, and, and that is what the, the official response was, their reaction to that was, you can write that as the epitaph of Great Britain. The British government cowed to Islamic supremacists for fear of being thought of as racist. The British government hounded counter-jihadists domestically and in other words, nationalist groups, and banned counter-jihadists from the U.S. from entering the country for fear of being thought of as racist. The British government worked with Islamic supremacists. It mistook for moderates for fear of being thought of as racist. The British government funded liars who exaggerated claims of Muslim victimhood for fear of being thought of as racist. The British government for years ignored Islamic supremacist takeover of public schools for fear of being thought of as racist. And that's exactly what's going on. It's, it's um, a total surrender to the interests of, of these invaders to our communities for fear of being thought of as racist. That, that's a perfect response to that. And, and that's basically the, the, um, the end of the road in the United Kingdom, you either be a racist or you're going to be destroyed because you're British.
1: Yeah, it's really highlighting that at the moment that um, people have got to stand up and and be proud of of being a racist. And I mean, the the word itself is losing all the strength that it once had because of this. Because it's really clear that that this has all been caused by a fear of being called racist. And what is being racist? It just means being concerned for your own race, which if you're not concerned for your own race, then it's going to die out. And it's just basic common sense that you just love your race and, and what everything that you do should be towards the betterment of your own race. And, and when you start covering up the crimes of, of other races, it's just, it's just suicidal and you're, Correct. These people were trained to do this. They they have these um, diversity training courses that they go on, and they're taught these various means to use when they're talking to people, like community and com, com, um, community cohesion. You know, we can't rock the boat. We've got to keep like the community cohesion together. We have a, a a diverse community, a multicultural community, and we're not we're not going to let a few crimes um ostracize any members of the community so they say things like this is the reason for not coming out the truth behind it but the way that it should be looked at is and the way that i would look at it is if you've got a um, faulty product on some on the shop shelves say so you've got baby food and there's a couple and you've got a fear that there might be some baby food with bits of glass in it they will recall every single um, jar of that baby food from Rochelle shelves of all the shops in the whole country, just because there's a chance that there might
0: be but one or some people. Muslim kid might end up eating, eating yeah. that baby food. Yeah,
1: but, just, you know, they, if they say, well, it's not all Muslims that are doing this, just the chance that one Muslim is going to do this to one of our children means that they should all be removed. And it's not just one of them that's done this. It's 1,400 of them in one of them. And, you know, this is Tens of thousands, it could be a hundred thousand of our children that have this done to them over the last decade or so in, the, in, our, in our major cities. We're 1,400 in, in a fairly small um, area, in, in a Rotherham area. You know, it, it's just the mind boggles at, at exactly what's, what's gone on and, you know, what's going to be, what's going to be done about it. Because they're, they're, they're saying, well, we, we, we need um, uh, the police to step down and we need... Uh, social services people that were, that were working at the head of it to step down. But surely what we need is a complete change in our entire ideology that, that is frightened of appearing to be racist to point out the crimes of these people. I mean, one thing I have noticed since then is they are now saying um, Pakistani men on the news that, that they are actually committing this crime. But they need to be doing that about every crime every single crime they need to telling the race of the people that are committing these crimes. If they did that, then um, I think you'd see immigration stop pretty quickly and repatriation started straight away. And the more and more people are, are, um, are asking for this. You know, you see a dreadful thing for this to have happened, but at the same time, it is really bringing it home to everybody. Nobody can, nobody can say, you know, make excuses for these people anymore. They can't say oh well it's just one or two or the the odd crime doesn't matter because this is just horrendous this is you know this is sort of, the entire generation of our young children have been screwed up by this they you know they must all know people that have been involved in this and they've all tried to say something about it and they must have all been told you know just popped off with excuses and, and told well this is just something that that goes on and we, we can't say anything because we've got to allow these people to well, why have we got to have these people here? You know, there's, there's no reason whatsoever for having these, these people in our countries. I don't even like to call them people. You know, be creatures, beasts is what they are.
0: Our beasts. I would like to read the um, the, the Breitbart.com. This is surprising because of the source. This is a it, it's kind of alternative media, but it's a it, it's a relatively mainstream website and and. Um, it, it's it's near the top 1,100 websites in the world. It, it's hugely popular. That they um uh, that they report on this uh, on this Rotherham issue by saying Rotherham 1,400 children groomed, drugged, and raped by multiculturalism. And at the beginning of the article, they ask, "When is the sexual abuse of children culturally, socially, and politically acceptable?" And they give the answer when it's committed with industrial efficiency by organized gangs of mainly Pakistani men, and, and the other men involved are Muslims, they're just not Pakistani, in English northern towns like Burnley, Oldham, and Rotherham, of course. But obviously you're not allowed to admit this, or you might sound racist. That's why, for example, in today's BBC report into the fact that at least 1,400 children were subjected to appalling Sexual abuse in Rotherham between 1997 and 2013, you have to wade through 20 paragraphs before finally you discover the ethnic identity of the perpetrators. And even then, the embarrassing fact slips out only with the most blushing mealy mouthness. And, and they report that they repeat the line from, from the Burrow report where it says, by far, the majority of perpetrators of abuse were described as Asian by victims. Well, the Borough Report put that on page two. And a BBC report based on the Borough Report puts it on page 20, <laughs> well, which is actually pretty damn sad. And, and, and it's comical. The, the, the lengths that these liberals and, and, and these Jews go to to, to hide the fact that this is a racial epidemic. It's an epidemic based on race. It, it's, if, these, if these immigrants were white Americans or, or white Canadians or white Australians, this problem wouldn't be occurring. There wouldn't be a problem with immigrants. These immigrants are Pakistani Muslims that, that have... Um, Absolutely no care for white society. Muslims treat non-Muslims, and, and their religious texts tell them to treat non-Muslims like dogs. They're not even people. They are open. If you're a Muslim, you see non-Muslims as um, able, as, as able to be preyed upon. You can do anything you want to non-Muslims, And you're absolved in the eyes of your God and, therefore, in the eyes of all of your own people who are going to protect you from non-Muslims. The the Quran uh, allows this and and approves of this behavior. Muslim men and and Christian girls girls are, um, are targets for rape and abuse by Muslim men simply because they're not Muslim girls. And Westerners don't understand this. And Western bureaucracies, including police departments, were never designed to maintain order in an environment where an army of occupiers are the chief criminals. And and this is the case. The occupiers care nothing They only care about Sharia law and other Muslims, and they only give that lip service, but they claim to care about that, and that's all they will follow when they're compelled to follow the law. The occupiers care nothing about British ethics, British laws, British customs. They care nothing about British people, and the bureaucracies, and the police department is just another bureaucracy, are purposely kept blinded to the reality of the situation. And therefore, they are, even when they want to defend the people, they're helpless to do it. And, and they're forced to follow orders and, and give those, that those lines that um, are engineered, that they're told to, that the instructions they're told to give victims of crimes, those lines are engineered to suppress the victims and allow and, and admit the perpetrators. So the bureaucracies are not going to protect Western nations from the problems which all of these Muslim invaders present the communities. It's never going to happen.
1: now large part of it, as you said there, is uh, they have this uh, community cohesion amongst themselves where they're, they're not going to... Um, they're not going to offer up any of their members of the community for having done this. They're not even going to speak about this in their mosques or, or, or tell their community members not to do this. Now, there's never been any condemnation from um, the Pakistanis or the Muslims for their own people actually doing this. There's never been any condemnation of like that. And even when this happened, and the BBC was desperate to start to interview some Pakistanis about this and about how they felt about this and they weren't talking about how dreadful the members of their community had been. they were talking about how members of the police ought to um, ought to step down and then they started and they started talking as if they were the victims in all of this and, and nobody pulled them up on it. but none of them have actually condemned their, their people for doing this as you say the Quran allows it if anybody is not the Muslim and they are just treated as dogs. They're kafars. Uh, uh, that means dogs. You means them, lower them, dogs, really. And the whole religion of um, Islam, it's you know, it's like an anti-religion. It's sort of similar to Judaism. Now, the, the Arabs are, are a mongrel race. They're not a, a pure race like like white people. And you know, I was looking back at. Um, when i was looking at stuff for this program today though i was looking back at, at pictures of the Arabs when they were invading europe in the 10th 11th and 12th century they're all different shades but there's no sort of uniformity to them there's a uniformity to them now they sort of like a you know a, a copy kind pakistani sort of color but, but before that they were, they were just all different colors you know, they were, they were sort of light shade dark shades negro shades and this religion that they've got, this religion of, of conquering, it's an anti-racial religion and in there, it encourages, in the Quran, it encourages the breeding between the races. So there isn't, um, there isn't any, any races, there isn't any nations, there's just this one uh, Muslim nation and if you've got slaves, they're a different race, you could just marry them, there's no, no restriction on that. So it encourages more and more Mongolization and if anyone that is not a muslim the law is going to apply to them so they can be raped murdered and of course they, when they when they do this and look at the countries that they subjugate rather than being at risk of being raped and murdered the people then convert to islam and become just like them that, that's the way that the whole religion works it's like a a, um, a, a self-fulfilling thing we have got it's not we've got uh, a mongol race which doesn't have these the same values that we have because it is a mongol race and then the religion that comes from it reinforces their mongolized values and and then of course their, their genes reinforce it again and it, it just feeds off of itself so people try and say well this is a, a mughlin problem not a racial problem it's it's both because islam itself comes from a particular race, and that particular race is a Mongol race, and that's an Arab race. So you, know, you can say that that comes from all, all Mongolized races. That's why they are susceptible to Islam. That's why you've got Pakistanis that are susceptible to Islam. That's why you've got Arabs that are susceptible to Islam. And it had a lot to do with, with Jewry. And first off, Mohammed um, was trying to appeal to the Jews, and it was only when, when the Jews refused to acknowledge him as a prophet, But he then started promoting the Arabs, and it became uh, an Arabic religion. Because you know, Islam and Judaism are very, very similar religions, and and they're both imposters by trying to cash in on saying that there's something to do with Abraham, and they're not. Um, So there's a big similarity there between the two, and of course, the, the Jews are responsible for. Bringing them over into our countries in the first place, with their um, changing of our immigration laws, and then changing our laws to prevent us from criticising them, and they're both working together to, to this day. There's, there's a company called Tel Mama, which is um, which reports on so-called Islamophobic crimes when people criticise Muslims, and it's, it's Jews that are running that. The Jews are at the top of that. That are um, the, uh, what's what's the word for it? The advisors that are actually giving the advice at the top, the executive advisors are Jews of this uh, Islamic company. So this idea that the, the Muslims are somehow against the Jews, and you know, it's, it's fake. They're, they're both part of the same thing. They're both the enemy.
0: All of, all of the strife and agitation between Jews and Muslims in the Middle East is designed to flood the Christian nations of Europe with Muslims. It's designed to do that. These wars, this war in Iraq, that this, um, well, well, this war that they're pressing for in Iran, this war in Syria, that the um, that the agitation in Egypt, the agitation in Libya, it's all designed to send Arabs to Europe, and it's coming in Turkey. It, it's only a matter of time, maybe five years, ten years, after they're done with Iraq, and, and if they can't get into Iran, it'll happen in Turkey. If it, when they're done with Syria, it'll happen in Turkey. It'll be country after country after country designed to send as many refugees as possible that are Arabs into Europe, into America, and, and, and it's a purposeful plan. And, and, and the American, that the American and, and European people fail to see the, um, the conflict in, in the reports that they're fed from the media, which insists that Christians hate Muslims in the Middle East and love them at home. What, what, what kind of sense does that make? But that's what they're being told. They have to accept Muslims at home, but they have to hate Muslims in the Middle East. That makes no sense at all, and people do not that they're absolutely blind to the hypocrisy of that. But well, even they've uh, got the churches
1: uh, having group prayer meetings with the Muslims and and trying to and encourage uh, interfaith dialogues between the established churches and Islam. Well. The religion itself is totally anti-Christian. Uh, I mean, so there's, a, there's a, a verse which uh, Paul said in, in Galatians which speaks specifically about Islam. The Islam, the Quran was dictated to Muhammad supposedly by the angel david and it's said here in Galatians one chapter uh, chapter one verse eight. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. And yet we've got the Pope and the heads of the church saying, Oh, Mahamud, peace be upon him. You know, exactly how the Muslims do. And it should be saying, Mahamud, let a curse be upon his head. Just that man, and you can see why the,
0: these people are oppressed now by what they're doing to our nations. You know, the Quran accepts Jesus as a prophet, but I've read a lot of those passages, and it's not any Jesus that Christians, even nominal Christians, would recognize. The Jesus that the Quran accepts is some artificially co- constructed Jesus. That, that's not the Christ of the Gospels by any means. In fact, the Quran portrays Christ and the apostles as obedient Muslims. And I've read those passages myself. You would not recognize the Christ of the Quran. They tell Christians that, and, and, and gullible Christians accept that, because they won't investigate it for themselves the um in the middle ages and what we 're under what, what we are really undergoing here it is one huge nonstop Jewish ritual destruction of, of western society that 's what 's really going on here in in the middle ages, there were huge problems with Jewish ritual murder the, the disappearance of Christian children into Jewish communities. In, in, in many towns throughout Europe, from Romania all the way to, to, to northern England, and, and I don't know if Jewish ritual murder ever happened in Scotland or Ireland. It wouldn't surprise me if it had. Well, well Christian children were disappearing and being killed, and, and sometimes bodies were discovered, and usually they weren't, and, and sometimes evidence was found, but usually it wasn't. And, and every time it happened, Christians began to suspect the Jews. Every time a child disappeared, Christians suspected the Jews and, and ran them out hundreds of times. In, in hundreds of towns and cities across Europe, the Jews were run out every time Christian children disappeared. And, and I'm going to read a... Um, a couple of paragraphs from Arnold Weiss's book, Jewish Ritual Murder, which is posted at christogenia.org, And he says, um, those who condemn the blood accusation as a wicked invention for the purpose of persecuting Jews and robbing them must at the same time condemn, some, wholesale some of the highest dignitaries of the Catholic Church. So, so there were also, that there was also a problem with the Catholic Church and very often he explains that, that they were in, in, in virtual concert with, with Jews and, and never disapproved of the cults of Jewish ritual murder. He says, remember that although other martyred boys, victims of Jewish ritual murder, have been regarded in many places as saints without papal authority, there is no record of papal disapproval of these cults except in the case of 6-6, six six, and, and the Catholic Church wouldn't disapprove the cults but it wouldn't recognize the problem, so so the, the the authorities of that time did not help, and and that's the point I'm trying to make. He goes on to cite a um, a churchman from the Protestant Church, and, and and he goes on to cite John Fox, and and John Fox in his Acts and Monuments of the Church says 1563, for every year commonly the jews custom was to get some christian man's child from his parents and on good friday to crucify him and despite of our religion he describes the ritual crucifixion of british children by jews at norwich and lincoln before the expulsion which means in the 13th century and up to the 13th century jewish ritual murder was happening all over england and that's the, one of the primary reasons that led to the Jews being expelled from, from England in the 1300s. The learned and distinguished Puritan, William Prynne, a fearless fighter against evil, in his short demurer to the Jewish, long discontinued remitter into England, somebody, a Jewess who held that, that, that office, in 1656, gave details and references of the ritual murders at Norwich, Gloucester, and Bury St. Edmunds in England, and those of Blob, Brain, Richard of Paris, Fulda, Prague, Werner of Oberwessel, Rudolf of Bern, Simon of Trent. They were all children who were known to be victims of Jewish ritual murder. In Book 1, page 67, he says, the Jews have oft times maliciously acted it, meaning the crucifixion, over and over again in representation by crucifying sundry Christian children on Good Friday or near Easter on a cross in the most barbarous manner, in derision of our Savior's death and past and, and passion. On page sixty-eight he quotes several authorities that the Jews in Paris did every year steal some Christian child or another brought up in the king's court and carrying him to a secret house or vault did on Good Friday or Easter day in contempt and derision of Christ in Christian religion crucify him on a cross, and that they had been fru- frequently apprehended, persevering in this wickedness, for which, upon direction, they, meaning the Jews, when they were caught, were usually murdered, stoned, burned, destroyed, hanged by the furious multitudes violence, or executed, imprisoned, banished by Christian kings and magistrates. Yet, such was their malice to Christ, that they would still persevere therein and act it over again upon every opportunity. Now, in the Middle Ages, and and this is what Arnold Murray is documenting here, in in the Middle Ages, when a child disappeared and, and was harmed by the alien community, and at that time Basically, the only alien community, non-white community in England, was the Jews. That the Christians rose up and and started killing Jews and driving them the hell out of their towns and villages. And, and today, what we have fourteen hundred children who, who are basically lost. I mean, they're not dead, but they are lost to these Pakistani sex scene perverted infidels and, and, and Christians just most of them just don't care. They cover it up. They don't want to be seen as racist. That they, that they um that they want to brush it aside that, that they don't want to believe it's happening and, and, and it's you know lease on a lease and he's writing in, in like the nineteen thirties I think he says our nation meaning Britain has been so carefully schooled by the Jewish money power, which has been able to destroy or rarefy all, all sources of information on ritual murder, that the 20th century Protestant church has come to believe that the thing is a mere relic of medieval superstition, even though it's documented throughout Europe, and especially in, in Eastern Europe. Lise had written that the Ottoman sultan issued an official proclamation that Jewish ritual murder did not exist, and in the lands that were ruled over, the Christian lands ruled over by the Ottomans at the time, that was where Jewish murder, Jewish ritual murder, was happening most frequently. And, and, and the Muslims were allowing the Jews to do it, to Christian children. Now, it, 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 it was happening at much greater frequency in the East for that reason, in Greece, which was Ottoman-controlled. In, in, in Romania, in Hungary and and, and in other places in, in the Balkans where the Ottomans still had control. It it, it happened um, and they weren't driven out of Greece until eighteen twenty five, by the way, the Ottomans. So so they held up mm-hmm. the Greece and the and, and much of the Balkans and, and other lands in Europe until eighteen twenty five. The um the Jews and, and the Muslims were working hand in hand against Christian children, and, and, and against Christians, feeding off Christians. They're doing it today in England. It's the same thing all over again. And, and, and they've gotten the, this administrative control over the, the, the Christian king's men. They have administrative control. The king's not a Christian anymore anyway. The king's a Jew too. <laughs> and um, it, it, this is basically no different than organized Jewish ritual murder. It's the organized destruction of white children and and, and the fabric of white society.
1: Now this is the thing. I mean, it's very, very, very uh, <clears> poignant <throat> what you're saying there. I mean, it would take one Christian child to be abducted by these Jews, and the whole community would rise up and there would be a pogrom and they would push these people out. And and it did. It happened all the way across all the way across Europe. So we know that it, 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 actually it happened because it was the highest courts in the land that tried these cases. There were confessions. There was, there was evidence. You know, there, there were, these court cases, the Jews were guilty of this. And we try and say it's a uh, libel today or a blood libel. But none of these cases, were, these court cases were ever overturned. And there are at least half a dozen saints. I think there may be about 20 saints that were made of these white christian children that were cr- crucified and murdered in horrific ways by these jews they would drain the blood from them and use the blood for spells magic spells and put it into their um that's go go. this is according to confessions at the time and there were similar confessions all the way across europe so in in different languages so it wasn't just um uh, that the, the confessions were being prompted by the guy that was doing the interrogation because it's the similar um, rituals and the similar techniques of, of what they were doing happened right there across Europe. But the reason we were able to push these people out and was because we, we had a sense of community cohesion back then because when we were a Christian nation, being a Christian was your personal identity, but it was also your collective identity. So if one of you was hurt, that was all of you hurt. And tolerance was not seen as a virtue. We did not tolerate these sort of things. You know, anyone doing something like that, that's treason against all of us. And they needed pushing out, they needed punishment for this. This is why we rose up in these pogroms. And this is why, this isn't happening today because we don't have this sense of community um, community anymore we don't have this collective identity of being of being christians and you don't have a collective identity today of, of being white and, and seeing this as our, our our white brothers well, our white sisters that this is being done to although that is changing i think there is more of a collective white identity happening right now because of this but back then we didn't even have that it was just that we had our collective Christian identity enabled us to to come together as a whole and eject the Jews from our countries. I think we did that in um, England in, in
0: 1290. You, you know the um I know the wording is a little rough in, in the King James version of the Bible but in Leviticus chapter 5 we're told basically that if we witness a sin and, and and we don't utter the sin and point it out, then we bear that iniquity as well. And if you know that white Christian children, therefore, are, are being abused and, and harmed, and you do not do anything about it, well, then you're just as guilty as the perpetrators. Tolerance is not a virtue. Tolerance of sin is an evil. It's not a virtue at all. It's an evil. Matthew Matthew eighteen six, but who shall but whosoever shall offend one of these little ones of the faith in me? It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. And that's what should be happening to these Pakistani Muslims. That's what should be happening to all of these aliens in Christian lands who are harming Christian children or white children. This is happening because whites have abandoned their Christian ideals and they've lost all care for their own fellow countrymen. And and until we have real Christian martyrs, men men and women who are willing to stand up and defend their nations, there's no hope for Britain or for the rest of Christendom that there's no hope until we stand up and, 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 and announce these crimes and renounce them and, and do something about these animals there, there's no hope for us. I was watching a, um, I was watching a video this morning about that English defense league demonstrations, what which occurred yesterday in Rotherham and they got, it it looked like they probably had better than a thousand English defense league members there. But you know, some of them were interviewed and and they claim not to be racist and they claim to respect other people's religions. And they claim that that the aliens can stay as long as they'll work for themselves and not be a burden on the taxpayers. And, And all these claims, and the English defense league is doomed because all these claims basically ignore the reality of the situation, that these aliens in England are there to feed off and destroy white people so that they could replace them. So the EDL, they are basically um, claiming to be against these crimes, but they're facilitating their own demise. They don't have the whole story. All of their positions are positions of compromise, and, and and it only looks like they're doing something about the problem. They ain't doing a damn thing about the problem. They're useless. They're as useless as, as the Jew media because they're partners with the Jew media. They're basically expressing the desires of the Jew media. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm,
1: I'm I are you for that. have probably got about the worst reputation out of all of the uh, right-leaning groups that there are. I mean, I would hesitate to even call them nationalists. I do hold out some hope that um, some of them might wake up to themselves and become productive members of some of the um, more extreme nationalist groups over here, and we uh, they are trying to do something. But their ideology is, is completely warped, I and mean, you're quite correct there, I mean, it's saying that um, you, you could just allow these these people over here. I mean, the whole, the whole thing with them is, is they've been in trying to invade Europe, right from the very start. They've been expanding into Europe and trying to invade Europe. You know, our Christian lands, Egypt, Syria, Asia Minor, they used to be white Christian lands, and they brought things all them taken over by them. Constantinople used to be white. That used to be the, the, the center of Christendom, it was Constantinople. And these Muslims, Arabs, Pakistanis, all of them, I'll just call them Arabs and non-whites, They took that over, and they're now invading us. They're still invading us. And they're quite broken about the fact that they're doing that. So the ADL need to wake up to themselves and realise that and look at our history and realise that any of them here is wrong. We can't have any of them here. Any of them here just breaks up our collective unity as British people, as as the British people made up of English, the Northern Irish, the Ocean Scots and the Irish the themselves are british really if you just include it as the, the uh, british islands the british isles but just as in in Britain, the united kingdom we are a white people and this is our land and any time we've been invaded before we've, we've managed to repel it and the, the Muslims have never done anything else but try to invade europe I and mean, they even got as far as iceland where they were snatching the white women from the vikings over in iceland and then selling them as slaves back in africa which is how their, their skin wiped up was with all the white slaves that they were stealing from europe they they took over southern spain italy the jews helped them in to southern spain and the jews call it their golden age it was between 800 to 1200 a.d which is when the, the muslims were in control of spain you know, and they wanted to keep heading north, and it was, it was Charles Martel, this, you know, a great hero, the man that repelled them at um, the Languedoc area in, in South France. And it was his grandson that was Charlemagne who insisted that, that we actually become a Christian empire in, in that part of France and Germany, the Frankish empire. And it was because of that that we were able to unite and repel Muslims back there and kick them back to their sandy desert land. You know, this is the reason why it's important that you have a unifying religion. Charlemagne realized this and he unified the people and because of that, we weren't taken over by the Muslims way back then. And this was about the the, um, seventh, eighth century that um, Charles Martel did that and then his his grandson Charlemagne
0: was, was obviously two generations later. Well, well right, and, and a, lot of the, um, a, a lot of the pagans get confrontation, and, and they're absolutely ignorant. They get confrontational o- over the fact that Charlemagne forcibly converted the Saxons to Christianity, but what they are short-sighted on and, and what they inconveniently don't know or, or don't mention is that when Charles Martel, Charlemagne's grandfather, in, in the 8th century, was fighting the Muslims in the West and, and the Tours. The Saxons were destroying their fellow whites and, and looting and pillaging their fight fellow whites to, to his east and, and in Germany. So, so the Saxons, what were, were a threat to Western civilization and, and, and the security of, of the Frankish and and, and that the other Germanic peoples, that the Swabians and and the other people who who, um, inhabited Western Germany at the time, that the Saxons were just as much a threat as the Muslims were. And and if the Saxons had had their way, the the tribes of the Franks and and the Alemanni and and the Swabians who, who already lived in those regions would have been so weak that they would have fell to the Muslims. So, so Charles Martel had to defend um the future of western civilization against the muslims while at the same time defending the future of western civilization against his own people who were the saxons i mean they were kindred in race even though they didn't that that they were pagan in religion they were the saxons were converted forcibly for their own damn good because if they didn't convert They would have eventually had to be exterminated, and and, and Europe would have self-destructed a thousand years ago. Now, after the Saxons were converted to Christianity, the greatest period of German history in the Middle Ages was about 150 years later, under Otto I, the Saxon king, and, and, and Germany was at a high point in its culture at that time, and, and um, I'm not saying it hasn't had other high points since then, but Christianity brought the Saxons out of the swamps, basically, as, as far as I'm concerned, and, 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 and did everything beneficial for the Saxons. So, so the, the, um, the pagan critics of, of the conversion of the Saxons to Christianity and, and the pagan critics of, of Charlemagne, well, well, that they should just go to northern Germany and, and sit on the ground in the damned, swampy forests and, and, and forsake everything that, that Christian Europe has developed under a Christian society, that they should forsake it all and go back to the forests of Europe what, where the Saxons came out of. Oh,
1: it's quite it was the same in britain really with the anglo-saxons and they started coming over i think in the sixth century seventh century and our celtic missionaries tried to uh convert into the celtic christianity and then you had uh, a missionary from rome that came over and converted them as well and by the time we got to Alfred the Great, who was, I think, about 50 years after Charlemagne, but he really looked up to Charlemagne and wanted to follow his example, because Charlemagne set an example for these other kings, because they all wanted what Charlemagne had done with the Frankish kingdom, and Alfred the Great managed to, he repelled the Vikings, and then he set up all these universities and these schools, he wrote down books of law, codified all our laws we had going back to these, these Roman laws. Incidentally, one of them was that Jews must not marry wives. whites and Jews must not intermarry. But he, he wrote down all these laws. He, he translated um, the Bible into the vernacular. He built all these uh, defenses so that we were actually able to defend the Vikings. And we had a, a fantastic golden age in Britain. At that time and, and the whole country was, was christian then and had a, a of belief and that lasted right way up to 1056 when the Normans invaded and they replaced every one of our clergy apart from two with full clergy and imposed um roman catholicism on us so all right way through the european history there's there's always been a golden age that follows once there has been a christian unification because then you had everyone in that society with a collective identity and it wasn't you know it wasn't just the poor people that had it it came from the aristocracy down it came from the king's down it was once charlemagne was, was um, christian and the king that the rest of the people followed and it was um once that uh, looking all the way back it was once uh, the King Vortigone was king that the rest of the, uh, the British people followed. I think the King of the time was Vortigone. Was it, it oh, I'm sorry. As you can say, it was all kings and, and princes that, uh, and the aristocracy that preached to Christianity at first. It wasn't, you know, a, a, a revolting with the slave class, which I often hear people say it's revolting with the slave class. So I just wanted to point that out. It's not wasn't a revolt of the slave class at all. The opposite of that, is it's the philosophers and, and the aristocracy and the, and the rulers of the kingdoms.
0: Well, well, it's absolutely true that that, that um, Anglo-Saxon England under Alfred I was every bit as, as um, distinguished as, as the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, I'm under Alfred was every bit as distinguished as the Holy Roman Empire under Otto I. That that's absolutely true and that's an absolutely valid point. That the um the, the Jewish media would rather promote the Italian Renaissance and, and the humanist values that eventually grew out of that because that's what they glory in is those humanist values. That they that they can't that that they can't countenance Christian values and, and they despise Christian values so they downplay the um importance to our history of men like alfred the great and 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 otto I and and Charlemagne, and we don't hear so much about them today and, and Charles Martel, and we hear very little about them today because that, that they that they want the enemies of Christ want us to believe that that before the humanist enlightenment of of, of the um, late medieval period in in Italy and France, before that happened, that we were backwards, that, that we had no society, that we weren't civilized, that they want us to believe that because they want to promote those humanist values in amongst our people today. And, and the humanist values are, um, are actually why we've sunk into this level of decadence that we, we're presently at and, and, and we're sinking faster and faster.
1: So, you know, we need need to be reaching towards God, not reaching towards the ground. We need to be trying to reach towards something that's above us, you know, not worshipping man, but but worshipping God, constantly striving for something better, reaching towards the heavens, not reaching back down to the earth.
0: Absolutely.
1: It's it's, it's very animalistic, I find. I I find evolution plays into that by saying that, man is an animal. So why, why try and behave like any better than an animal? Because the Jews are telling you that you are an animal. And and a lot of this, this, this corruption of our morality has come down through the television and through the media and through their control of it. It's interesting that you're saying about the
0: the enlightenment.
1: I think that was about the 15th, 16th century. But right right up until that point, in the fifth century, up until I think 16th and 17th, we had these things called mystery plays for entertainment and and, and the morality plays. And they were basically plays and stories. Some of them were bits from the Bible and other bits were just more to do with morality. And they had personifications of good and evil and the seven deadly sins, vice and virtue. And the whole idea of these plays was aimed at the cultivation of the Christian character in the people. And Everyone would go and see these plays. Some of them would last for 20 hours long. And the whole community would get involved. It would be like a a pageant thing. And the the guilds, the town guilds, took responsibility for this. So you'd have the Bakers Guild and the, the Ironmongers Guild, and they would... To, like a mystery play that was to do with their guilds so the carpenter's guild would be the do with the ark and the uh baker's guild would do loaves and fishes and this is how these plays started out but this, this was our entertainment and it was all about instilling this, this christian character into people and the pope tried to ban them about the 12th century and the reformation them again in the 15th century and for the whole time, it was all about instilling moral values, Christian values, and cultivating a Christian character. And, and I'm not sure how far it carried on for before it then started getting corrupted, but it might, it, you can go from there to looking at what our television is now, which is all about promoting an immoral character and the lowest, greatest values that you can get. And this is all to do with, with the Jews taking over our media and our entertainment, because the, the well over a thousand years, all our entertainment is based around um, building up your character and, and turning you into the best person that you could possibly be, building up this Christian character and Christian values, honour, basically. I mean, a big part of Christianity is honour. I and mean, the pagans like to it say, it's so, so, always the honour in it. Well, you know, the command is honour your father and your mother. That means honour your ancestors. You know, and don't do anything that would embarrass them. Don't stand for embarrassment of your ancestors, people embarrassing your ancestors. It means marry someone that looks like you as well. There's no more of an insult to your ancestors than to produce a creature that looks nothing like them by, by mixing your breed with, with someone else. Now, honor is a big part of it. The well, um, entertainment system is built around trying to improve our morality and our values. We have, when we have a Christian society, and we have a homogenous society of white people, because that's improve ourselves. And then we have these other creatures among us: Jews, Arabs, Muslims. Then, instead of that, we become an animal society that allows this sort of thing to go on without fighting back and without speaking up about it. We we allow that this to happen to our children and, and we're not fighting back. We're really we're honoring that. You know, we're, we're Christians 500 years ago, something like this happened, that would have been the whole Muslim community, would have been out of the country. And it would have been the government that had to do that because if they hadn't done it, they would have known that every single one of them would have, their, would have been hung or, or had their throats set on a pod rock because they knew that people would have just reacted as a whole, against it as they did,
0: with the Jewish ritual murder. Well, well, absolutely. That's why I brought up the, Jewish, the history of Jewish ritual murder, that the, um, the, the English people have a history all through the Middle Ages of protecting their own and running the aliens out, which the, the only aliens at that time happened to be Jews, every time members of their community and, and, and children were harmed by these people. They ran them out. And... and and the, the king was always um, caught up in, in, in a position where, because he was indebted to the Jews, many of them, well, where they had to figure out how to defend the Jews from the people. And the people were always uprising against that, and that's what led to the expulsion of the Jews in the 13th century, because the people wouldn't have it anymore, that they wouldn't have the king's protection anymore. The king no longer had a choice about it, that they had to expel the Jews. That the, um, t- Today, it's the same problem all over again, except today the Jew has a lot of helpers and friends. And everybody that's an alien that, that's imported into Britain is actual, or, or any white country is actually doing the work of the Jew. And, and, and if white people don't um, gather around that their Christian moral heritage, they're going to have no defense against this. They have no defense against this whatsoever. And and the mealy-mouthed expressions made by the EDL, the EDL is just controlled opposition. That's all they are. They're controlled opposition. That they stand there and they allow themselves to be called fascists and racists and Nazis when they're not fascist, racists, or Nazis. So, so they're just controlled opposition. So so that people get to think that anybody who's a nationalist is a Nazi. And you don't even have to be a racist, and you don't want to be a Nazi, so you're never going to do anything like join the EDL or, or, or any other such group like that. You're not going to do anything to defend your nation, your stock, your race, your, your heritage, because you're, you'll be afraid of being condemned and assaulted by, by these socialists and these anti-racists, like the EDL does. And, and, and it's crazy, because they're being assaulted while they stand for nothing. It, it's all a dog and pony show. It, it's ridiculous. That's, it's a dog and pony show. I have no other way to describe it. it it's a circus. There, there was another group. I, I'm not that familiar with them. The um, Britain First group actually had a, a, a demonstration at Rotherham a week before the EDL last week on September 6th, but, but I haven't had the chance to evaluate it in time for this program.
1: Well, that was quite actually, that was quite good. I was quite impressed with that. I mean, the, the Britain first are more patriotic and they say, well, they're not racist. And they're very sort of soft, this sort of group, soft, soft right, really. They get a lot of, they get a, lot of um, a lot of people attack them for not being racist enough and just being sort of anti-Muslim. But since this has happened, I think they've really improved. They went into the offices straight away, the council offices, with a big banner saying justice for the victims of Muslim grooming and they were demanding to see the people that ran the council and say why have you done this and you need to step down and they filmed it which is good and then the following week they had a um, another meeting there and there was say so, well good up to 300 people there from Rotherham and they had uh, like a PA system and they were speaking and, and what they actually said was it's pretty good, I and mean, they were talking about the British people, white children. No, they were becoming more, more racial, more leaning towards the racial side of things. And then you've got other groups, um, National Action, who, you know, they mentioned the names of the Jew. they're unashamedly racist, unashamedly um, National Socialist, and they're doing activities. But again, they're all like a, a sort of a flash demonstration somewhere. And, and they have uh, they can't get as many people as britain first but they're more effective in the way that they do things they'll put stickers up everywhere they'll go to a university flush that or uh, suddenly appear in the middle of a shopping center and speak and they're a lot more hardcore in their message now i think they've gone there this weekend along with national front again we are more hardcore in their message and the british movement but the, the EDL are a very di- di- disappointed, really, that the National Front went there on the first day that this happened, when Britain first did their big demonstration in the council offices, and the EDL were calling the National Front classes and telling them to go away, and that they didn't want anything to do with it. And the National Front had gone up there to make their feelings heard about this, and you would have thought that the EDL would have been happy to have had them join up with them. But they weren't. They rejected so that was, you know, that really sort of said well, you need to know about UDL. They're rejecting like the other nationalist groups. But from where I can see it, the more noise that's made about this, the better. It really, is the more noise that's made about it, the better. And um, people say, well, UKIP haven't said anything about this, but UKIP is a different matter. That's a political party that are looking very, very close, like they're going to get into the government and. I'm not sure it would be a good idea for them to the vote. I don't know how many Muslims have actually got voting for them. And I think it's more important for um, UKIP to actually get into power and stop us from being in the European Union and stop immigration rather than um, making a stand over an issue like this that could hurt them politically. Because if UKIP don't get in at this election, that's it. Because it's going to be five years the next election and the at the immigration rate that it's going at now that will mean that there'll be 30 percent of the country will be colonized by the next election if we don't get somebody in at this one so you know, i'm not really holding my breath for ukip to start holding demonstrations against this and i'm not sure it would be the right thing for them to actually do that no, i just just wanted to say that i don't want to get too political in the program, Bill, but just so that listeners are, are, are aware of um, the situation in Britain, really, and with all these different groups. Cause the EDL have never been a racial nationalist group. They've always been civic nationalists. They've got a, a lesbian and gay department. I mean, there's no lesbian and gay department in Britain first or in um, the National Front
0: <clears throat>
1: or any of the others, to be honest. And EDL have got a, a suit department, so they're. They're sort of the, the weakest ones a lot but they get the most publicity but they're not actually achieving anything whereas UKIP are achieving something politically britain first are achieving something because they're making a lot of noise people are looking their way they're making some very effective videos national front again they're making a lot of noise they're rising again after being um hit heavily with with leadership disputes and and you've got national action which uh like a, a student group which aren't a political party and they're just about demonstrating and and getting the racial issue into people's faces basically so you know it is things are looking up for britain in, in the way of nationalism and as in rising and in as in the way they are dealing with this it's obviously a dreadful thing to happen but at least it is putting the racial issue on everybody's tongue basically and it's, it's putting it there at the forefront and we need to keep it there, so as many demonstrations as possible. I'd like to see because that ensures that it, this issue doesn't get forgotten about. You know? And as far as being a Christian, you know, I know that all this is going to come to an end, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to stop fighting and trying to change it and working as hard as I can for my race. You know, I see that we've got to keep doing that right way up until the end. Even if we know that there is going to be a, a day of the Lord. You know, we've still got to keep fighting. There's no point just just giving up and saying, you know, oh, well, it's going to come to an end anyway, so why should I be bothered? You know, that's not the attitude. You've got to keep fighting right the way through to the end.
0: (coughs) Well, well, (laughs) that's what we... we, Right, we have to keep fighting, even though we should know as Christians that, that we can't save ourselves, we have to fight the good fight, and we're required to do that of 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 our Savior. So, so we have to press ahead, even when we know that that we're outnumbered, that we're going to be outnumbered. A hey, um, having God on our side, we always have a majority, and we are going to prevail. God's creation, yeah. God, our God, will not allow the Jews to mock his creation forever. It's just not going to happen. On that note, thank you for joining us, then, and, and I'll look forward to the next program. We'll, we'll, we'll have to work up a topic, or maybe we could continue on this one. I'll, I'll um discuss that with you uh, over the next two weeks. And tentatively, we can schedule a program for um, September 28th. Okay, so well, I look forward to it. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Praise Yahweh and thank you.